The reading is taken from 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, beginning at verse 9, and then two verses from Matthew. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So friends, we pray as we come to God's word. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that your word would be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our supreme concern. In Jesus' name, amen. So, friends, we gather uh, this morning, don't we, to give thanks to God for all the good things that we enjoy from his hand. We gather to praise him for his provision. We gather to acknowledge that our God is the ultimate spring, wellspring of our well-being. There are some, of course, perhaps many in our society uh, who are proud of what they have made of themselves and for themselves, would see themselves as self-made women, self-made men, who would say that they were responsible for what they had, that they had worked hard, At school, they'd got the good grades, gone to the good university, got the good job, and God has nothing to do with the food on the table, the walls and the roof that surrounds them, the clothes on their back. But the words of King David and the prayer that Jesus teaches his followers to pray refute such a high and self-contained view of ourselves and our achievements. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything, says David, everything in heaven and on earth, is yours. 
wealth and honor come from you, he says. It comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Any human life, any human estate, which fancies that it is self-existent, self-made, underived, is a delusion, and it is an offense to God. And that is why, is it not, that Jesus taught his followers to pray daily, give us today our daily bread. Jesus isn't denying that God uses, oftentimes, secondary causes, such as farmers and freezers, supermarkets and salaries, to channel his provision to us. Of course he does. But Jesus is affirming that it is God's provision that the farmers harvest and that the supermarkets channel to us. Jesus teaches here that we are daily dependent on our Heavenly Father for life. And we acknowledge that insofar as we pray this prayer. Notice that God commits himself to provide for our daily bread. Bread speaks of necessity, not of luxury. As many preachers have said, Jesus is promising here for our uh, needs to be met, not our greeds. The promise is of a, or I should say, this is not a promise of a second house. We may have one, but Jesus doesn't promise it here. doesn't even promise a second helping. What he promises is provision to see us through the next 24 hours. Speaks of necessities, but it's not narrow in its scope. Uh, the reformers, uh, who I found wonderful on this passage, uh, have a lot to say on this. Luther wrote this when he uh, was explaining what daily bread incorporated. So here's Luther. Everything necessary for the preservation of this life, said Luther, like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. So it's a prayer for necessities, but it's not narrow. It's everything we need to have life as God intended. When Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, we're reminded, are we not, that it is not some cosmic fruit machine, it's not karma, it's not cruel fate that is ultimately responsible for our provision, but rather an all-loving, all-competent Heavenly Father. Our life, our estate, says Jesus, is in the hands of a God who is deeply, profoundly personal, not mechanical. A God, therefore, who gives as a good father gives to their children, each gift coming with forethought and love. So our primary response, our first response at least, has to be one, does it not, of gratitude. I was very struck by a quote that I read Uh, that goes as follows. He was uh, lamenting really the lack of thankfulness that he saw um, in the church generally, uh, particularly in the West. And he wrote this, our lack of thankfulness shows us up as practical atheists, taking for granted as part of our circumstances things that are in fact continual gifts from our Father in heaven. Isn't that striking? When we don't give thanks, we become practically atheists. We think what we have, just part of our circumstances, things that are due to us, things that we have got 
for ourselves with our own means. But actually, they are in fact continual gifts from our Father in heaven, Jesus says. And so we should be profoundly, regularly grateful. And once we grasp that our provision is the continual gift of our loving Heavenly Father, contentment follows in its wake. It seems to me gratitude and contentment go hand in hand. We will be content if we have little. Here's a quote from, uh, again, one of the great Puritans of the 17th century, a man called Jeremiah Burroughs, wonderful name, who wrote a wonderful book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And uh, I think looking around, contentment is a rare jewel. And he wrote this. This is uh, one of the ways we can be content, even if what we have is little. Quote, because in what he has, he has the love of God to him. If a king were to send a piece of meat from his own table, it would be a great deal more pleasant to a courtier than if he had 20 dishes as an ordinary allowance. If the king sends even a little thing and says, go and carry it to that man as a token of my love, oh, how delightful that would be to him. Every good thing the people of God enjoy, they enjoy it in God's love as a token of God's love and coming from God's eternal love to them. And this must needs be very sweet to them. This must needs be very sweet to them. Everything we have, be it much, be it little, is a token of God's personal love to us. We will be grateful insofar as we receive what we have as continual gifts of God and content insofar as we look beyond what we've got to the one who has given it and receive it for what it is, tokens of his personal love and affection. But there are two other things that flow from this petition, it seems to me. Two things, I think, important for us at this morning. And the first is this. This petition, give us today our daily bread, teaches us codependence and generosity. It teaches us codependence and generosity. Notice, Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, give me today my daily bread. Could have done, but he doesn't. He teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And the us, friends, is crucial. The us is foundational to our understanding of who we are and how God relates to us and provides for us and how, therefore, we should relate to one another and provide for one another. You see, by teaching us to pray us and our, Jesus is teaching us that we are more than a collection of individuals. We are a family. We are bound by the Spirit with bonds thicker than blood. And when we pray, we pray as a family. We pray for us all as a family. And that means that when we receive personal material blessings, when we receive abundance, we receive them in part as God's answer to the family's prayers to have its needs met. The us here profoundly changes the way we think about why we have what we have and therefore what we should do with it. 
we have the good things that we have. We have, for many of us, abundance, in part because of the prayers of the people sitting next to us. When I pray, give us this day our daily bread, am I not praying for you? And when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, are you not praying for me? When I pray, give us, I pray not for myself alone, but for others in the church family. When we pray this, we're praying for God's provision for all of us at St. Andrews and beyond. The material blessings that we enjoy individually come not through our own personal prayers alone, but flow to us in answer to the prayers of everyone in this room when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so we should always be thankful to God for our material blessings that flow from his hand, but also, do you see, thankful to one another whose prayer, give us, has resulted in the blessings I enjoy. And therefore, not just grateful, but generous. You see, if my material blessings are in part the result of our prayer for us, then I cannot view them purely as mine. They are, to some extent, ours. And once we've grasped that our personal blessings flow from this corporate prayer, then are we not doubly compelled to generosity? See, once I grasp that my blessings, my abundance in part, results from the prayers of my brothers and sisters in the building, how could I, how could I ignore their needs as they arise? How could I ignore the needs of the church if my blessings flow from the prayers of the church? Gratitude for their role in my blessings compels me to be generous to my brothers and sisters. But more significantly, we are compelled not just by gratitude to others, but by obedience to the purposes of God. You see, our material blessings come not simply as a result of this prayer, but as God's answer to this prayer. In part, the abundance of good things we receive from God are his answer to the prayers of all in the church family to have their needs met. By making this prayer the prayer that draws down God's material provision, by making this prayer corporate, Jesus teaches us that God's purpose is to provide for his church through his church. God gives us an abundance, or God gives an abundance to some in his family that they might provide for others in his family who pray, give us this day our daily bread. When God grants me a job, or a promotion, or a legacy, or money, or food, or clothing, above what I need to sustain myself and my biological family, when he grants me abundance, these things come in part as his answer to the family's prayer to have its needs met. Do you see? We are to be generous towards the church because that is God's intention in blessing us with abundance. I had my eyes really open to this by the reformers, as I mentioned a little earlier. And here is Latimer, Hugh Latimer, speaking on give us this day our daily bread, the us in particular. This petition, give us this day our daily bread, is God's storehouse, God's treasure house. Here lieth all his provision, and here you fetch it. But ever have in remembrance that this is a common prayer. A poor man prays as well as you. 
And perhaps God sends this riches unto you for another man's sake, who prays for you, and whose prayer perhaps is more effectual than your own. The reformers used to refer to the wealthy in God's church as God's treasurers for the sake of his family. We cannot pray this prayer and have no concern for the needy in the building. We are to be generous with what God has given us because he has given us stuff for the sake of us, his family. Now, of course, the Bible calls us to use the resources that God gives us to provide for ourselves and our biological families. We're not to give everything away and so ourselves become a burden on the church family. But he also calls us to provide for the church family, to support its people and its gospel purposes. George Muller is a great example of this. Uh, I found in my pigeonhole uh, this week a, the latest sort of financial report from the George Muller Foundation. You'll know George Muller, the Christian of the uh, 18th, 19th century, uh, who did many things. One of the things he did was set up orphanages uh, for, the, for, for, for poor uh, children. A great Christian man. And I was reminded, preparing this sermon, and, and when this, uh, this report was put in my pigeonhole, of that great story of George Muller. Um, one time, uh, he set up the table for breakfast for the children in his orphanage, knowing that he had nothing in the larder with which to furnish it. The plates, cutlery was out, but no food. And so he prayed. And as he prayed, so the Lord stirred the hearts of those who had plenty to bring food to the orphanages. And one writer said this, our father's economy always has two sides. Sometimes it is our place to give and to give generously, Sometimes to receive and to do so humbly and gratefully before God. There is to be a holy interdependence of love, compassion and justice between those who are truly sons and daughters of the living God. Why not bless all people the same? Why does God not directly raise the, the estate of the, of the needy in the church so we all have exactly the same? I think one of the reasons is because we are family, and God wants us to interact as family. He wants us to be self-giving and generous in abundance. He wants us to be humble and dependent if we are needy. And in so doing, do you see, we reflect to the world the nature of the Godhead, because that is what God is like. He is family. He is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally relating to each other. The Father eternally self-giving and generous to his Son. The Son eternally humbly dependent upon his Father. That is the nature of the Godhead. And as we behave like that amongst ourselves to one another in the church family, we display to our watching world the wonderful nature of our God. It is profoundly evangelistic. It is not self-centered. It is outward-looking, and it is drawing. It is, it is uh, attractive to a world as they see the family of God generously supporting one another, humbly, uh, honestly uh, speaking of their needs and having them met in generosity. It is a petition that leads to codependence and generosity and, and finally, uh, briefly, it is a petition that teaches us to be confident in God to meet our daily needs. Notice again that Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. Not for our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our yearly bread, our daily bread. Why? Because he wants us to be confident and dependent on our Heavenly Father for our daily needs. 
you remember the, uh, the book of Exodus? I'm sure you do. Uh, Moses uh, leading the Israelites out of uh, Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're starving. They grumble, and then eventually, rightly, they pray. And God meets their prayer, do you remember, by granting them food. And he, this is like dew in the morning. They wake up. It's manna on the ground, this sort of bread-like substance. Do you remember the golden rule for collecting it? The golden rule was this. You may not collect more than a day's worth. If you collect more than a day's worth, it will rot, apart from the day before the Sabbath, when you were allowed to collect the Sabbath day. But essentially, you must collect for the day, and beyond that, it will rot. What is the Lord teaching? What was the Lord teaching his people through that? Was he not teaching them that, they were, that God was daily responsible for and daily dependable for their provision? And that is what Jesus is teaching us, his followers, when he teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, that God is daily responsible for and daily dependable for our daily bread. It's very easy to forget, isn't it, especially in the affluent West, that it is our God who is daily responsible and daily dependable for our provision. God has blessed, I would imagine, most of us in this room uh, with abundance, that is to say, with much more than 24 hours' worth of provision. And such an abundance should create in us a spirit of thankfulness. And yet, if you're anything like me, so often I find it creates in me a spirit of forgetfulness. Very easy to wake up in the morning and think, it's the stuff in my freezer that will provide for me today. It is my job, my pension that will provide for me in the weeks, months, years to come. And of course, our sinful nature makes that doubly attractive because we love that idea of being slightly independent from God, that we can go it alone. Such a view not only dishonors God, it damages us. Because when our confidence moves from our Heavenly Father to provide for the day to other things, then our confidence becomes a fragile one. You see, whatever I look to in life to provide life for me, that is where my security is. So if I think that you know, it is my job that ultimately provides for me, then I will feel as secure as my job. And in these times, perhaps not very secure at all. If I think that it is ultimately my pension that will secure, uh, is the source of my provision in life, then I will feel as secure as my pension. And again, in these days, uh, perhaps insecure. And do we not live in a society that is consumed with anxiety over these things as they look into the future and wonder? Consumed as they frantically scan the newspapers for stock market reports and housing market reports because that is where their ultimate security lies. And it's an anxiety that we too can feel if our confidence moves from our Heavenly Father to provide for us to other things. Don't mishear me. God uh, uses secondary means. Uh, and it is good to plan. It is good to plan for our future. It is good to put aside uh, materials and money for a pension plan. Once, but once we have taken good and godly advice, once we have thought about it, once we have prayed about it, and we have the, the pension policy in place, we must not lose sight of the fact that it is our Heavenly Father who commits himself and is daily responsible for and daily dependable for our daily provision. We, we do not know the future 
and we cannot know the future. And so Jesus says, don't live in the future. Live day by day trusting your heavenly Father to provide for your daily needs. One preacher put it like this, we must never forget the truth that our jobs are not securing us. The Lord is. For the believer, there is no such thing as job security, only God's security. And our God is our heavenly Father who commits himself to providing for us daily. He is daily responsible. Ultimately, not our credit card, not our freezer, not our job, not our pension. Ultimately, God is responsible and God is dependable. It is a petition that would bring us much daily peace and comfort if we would take its lesson to heart. We close. This petition, like the others in the Lord's Prayer, opens up a whole new way of looking at life. It is far more than just a few words on a piece of paper. It is what the Christian life looks like. It teaches us, teaches us about who we are as a family, interdependent as brothers and sisters in Christ. It teaches us about how we are to relate to one another, how we are to relate to our Father God. In summary, it teaches us this. It teaches us gratitude to God for all his blessings, knowing that they are tokens of his love, contentment in what he has given us, generosity towards the church family, its people and its ministry, knowing that we are in part God's answer to the church's prayers. And finally, it teaches us confidence that God will meet our daily needs day by day by day. Let's pray. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Wealth and honor come from you. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. It comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Heavenly Father, we pray that in the light of these words, as you have spoken through your word to us this morning, we pray that we would be those who are grateful to you for all the blessings that come from your hand. Pray we would know you deeply as Father. And therefore, that all that we have has come to you as uh, continual gifts, tokens of your love. We pray we'd be grateful. We pray we'd be content in what we have. Father, we pray we would be generous, knowing that this is a corporate prayer which should lead to corporate responsibility towards one another. Help us to be generous and help us to be confident. Confident in you as our loving Heavenly Father to meet our needs day by day by day. And so might peace replace anxiety. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.